Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I just kind of caught a vision of something, and I was thinking about somebody that we all know a little bit about. Some of us know more than others, but there was an apostle, very popular one, and he wrote uh, most of the books of the Bible. I think there are 13 books of the, of the New Testament that were attributed to, to the apostle Paul. 13 of the 27 books. And when the Apostle Paul met Jesus, it wasn't the preaching of the word as much, or it wasn't, um, it wasn't so much that he had an epiphany, or, or maybe he did. Well, he was on the road to Damascus for a purpose, and he, had, he was going about and he was imprisoning the saints of God, the, the believers in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, you know, the one of, of the way. He was persecuting the way. And, and he was doing it because he thought he was doing the right thing, you know. He was so sure he was doing the right thing that he was protecting Judaism. He was protecting the law by arresting Christians and having them persecuted, some of them put to death and in prison and this kind of thing. So he's on his way to Damascus to, I don't know, maybe to pick up some prisoners or to try some or something. I don't know what his purpose was, but along the way, he had an encounter with the power of God. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had an encounter with God to that extent where the power of God touched your life and it changed you. You know, you had, you had been in religious experiences and you had heard about miracles and everything else, but suddenly you encountered God. You felt his power. Now, the Apostle Paul, it says as he was, he was going along, all of a sudden a bright light comes out of heaven and it is so bright, so bright that it, it, it blinds him. And he, he falls to the ground and he hears a voice and those around him hear a voice. And the voice says to Paul, it says, Saul, Saul, which was his name at the time. That was his, his Greek name or Roman name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus Christ. Now, when we meet Jesus, we have an encounter with him, the real Jesus, not the one that, that is so falsely portrayed in so many lives today, but the real Jesus, the one that changes lives, the one who is all-powerful, the one who can take your life in a moment and change it just like that, and you never go back to where you were. I'm talking about that Jesus that changed Saul of Tarsus's life that day, and Saul was blinded by the light to the degree that he couldn't see anything. And those around him heard what was going on and said, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads? Well, if you don't know what a goad was, it was a prod stick that they used to prod cattle and livestock along. And, and, and Saul was, 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 was persecuting the very ones that Jesus had died for. And now, all of a sudden, Saul is having an encounter with Jesus of power encounter. I want to tell you about a power encounter with Jesus that, you know, I, I've had those moments in my life where I've had those power encounters with Jesus, but the one that really changed my life took place in 1975, and I never went back when Jesus revealed himself to me personally, 
And I finally understood the meaning of the cross and the power of God changed me. Now, I'd heard the gospel preached all of my life. I had seen miracles take place and everything, but until it happened to me, it really didn't have the impact that it had in me. You know what I'm saying? And and we look at people sometimes, and, and if we don't know the Lord, if we've never had that encounter, then we don't understand why people get so 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 ecstatic and so, you know, I don't know how to explain it, changed because they encounter Jesus. It's because of the power of God. It's the power of the gospel. The apostle Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to them that believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, this same Paul, this Saul of Tarsus was the one who was persecuting other people because they believed in Jesus because they were going around and, 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 and laying down their lives for the cause of Christ. He didn't understand it until he encountered the power of Jesus. You know, the power of God will change your life. It'll change your life in a moment just like that. It is life transforming. It's life changing as it was for the Apostle Paul. There were others that encountered Jesus and it changed their life. There are many today that are still encountering Jesus and it changed their life. You know, in, in, in Muslim countries today, there are testimonies of people who are encountering the living Christ. They're having visions of Jesus. Christ is appearing to them and their lives are being changed just like that. They hear all the rhetoric, they hear all the, all the Christianese and everything else, and there are a lot of good things that people are trying to do to reach people for Christ. And, and, you know, good works will go a long way, but they cannot replace the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? It's the good news. Everybody say good news. It's the evangelio. It's the good news. It's, it's God speaking to us. It's, it's about what God has done To bridge the gap between man and himself. Sin has separated us from God. But Christ came as a priest. You know what a priest is? A priest is a go-between. A bridge, as it were. Someone who, who can go between you and the object you're trying to reach. Someone to represent you before another person or individual or something. But that's what a priest is about. And we have a high priest. I put it on my Facebook this morning. I couldn't help it. Hebrews 4, 6, uh, 4, 15 says, For we have not a high priest who's touched not with the feeling of our infirmities, but we have one who has been tempted in every way that we have, yet without sin. He's, he's experienced everything you and I can ever experience, yet without sin. Therefore, therefore, we have confidence to approach the throne of grace. We can come before God with confidence, knowing that God is not going to reject us because of what Jesus has already done, because of what our high priest has done for us by his power, the power to lay down his life, take it up again, to shed his own blood in our place, to become sin for us, 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him and to take his own blood, which was all sufficient before the Father, and to say, here, the payment is made. I have redeemed mankind. I have paid for their sins. Penalties paid. Isn't that good news? Because without that, see, the penalty of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. That's what the law says. But it takes the power of God to save us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. Last week I talked to you, to you about the anointing. You know, you know the anointing, the, the, the shamanah, the anointing of God. How God, you know, his seed in us is his anointing inside of us. And he gives us his anointing for a, a mashak. He gives us his anointing for a reason. And then he gives us an unction of the spirit. The reason God gave us his spirit is so we can do something. And in order to do anything for God, we need power. We need the ability to do it. Amen? I mean, if somebody wants you to do something... They've got to give you the tools to get it done with. I mean, you wouldn't send somebody to, to, to build a mansion and, and, and give them a hammer and a toothpick. You would give them the tools to get it done. And that's what God has given us. He's given us his authority, his exousia, and he's given us his pneuma. He's given us his spirit, and he's given us his dunamis. He's given us his power in order to do what he's called us to do. Oh, man, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I'm preaching good. (laughs) Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. I love it. Well, we'll go all the way to 16. He says, for I long to see you. This is Paul, and, and he's writing the book of Romans. He's writing a letter, and he was probably in Corinth at the time that he wrote this. Took Paul a long time to get to Rome. We know the only way that he got there was he got in trouble And he kept making appeals. And finally, his appeal to Caesar, because he was a Roman citizen, and they had imprisoned him unfairly because he was a Roman citizen. They didn't recognize it. So he said, I appeal to Caesar. And he kept appealing to Caesar. And that's how he got to Rome. But until then, he had written a letter from Corinth. And he says in this letter, he says, For I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while I'm among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented thus far in order that I might obtain some fruit among you also, even among as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. Now, I want to remind you something also says in Acts 4.12, the apostle said, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now, we got that out of the way. We understand that there's no other name, there's no other power, there's no other gospel that is able to save us. There are, there are, are, 
are, are truths in just about every, every religion that, that may be uh, interpreted as being good. There are good points and bad points. But I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the power that we have to be connected to the greatest power that has ever, ever been, ever will be, will always be, and that's God himself, through the person of Jesus Christ. There's no other name given among men by which we must be saved. I also want to remind you that in Philippians 2.10, and it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to remind you, folks, that one day every nation, every knee Every tongue will bow and will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. There, there's a video that's going viral, and some of you may have seen it. There was an event that took place this weekend up in Washington, D.C., in the National Cathedral. And they had a Muslim prayer offered in the National Cathedral. It just makes my blood kind of boil a little bit when I think about that. And, and you say, well, what's the, what's the harm? Well, this national cathedral was built to honor Christ. And there was a woman who had the audacity to stand up. Let me just say she had the kahunas. She had the, she had the strength. She had the passion to stand up and say, that cross over there represents the cross where my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died, and he is Lord of all. There is no other God but him, and I will not stand and allow someone else's name to be mentioned in this cathedral that was built to bring honor to his name. And she was immediately carted out, of course, because no one wanted to hear that. But I thank God that she was willing to stand up and be counted. And, and, and thank God we got Facebook so we can see it. So go home, check that out. <laughs> well, moving on here. Philippians 2.10. I just, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of it because there's power in that name. I, I, I went on a search when I was a young man. Um, I tried to convince myself that there was no God, you know, because that was cool in those days. That was back in the early 70s. You know, it was a cool thing to go around and say there is no God. It was a cool thing, you know, to, to get with all your friends and, and, and give all the reasons why there was no God and why you thought there was no God. So, you know, I, I came up with, you know, pretty good arguments about it and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and thought I had convinced myself that there was no God. And then maybe I began to think maybe there is a God, but it can't be the Christian God. So, you know, I started examining Buddhism and Hinduism and every other ism that you could think of. Transcendental, transcendental meditation and those kind of things. Just looking into them, not really getting involved, but checking them out. You know what I'm saying? But the, the thing that I discovered was that in all of those religions, though they all, you know, maybe had their good point and bad points to them, none of them could really save anybody. None of them could bring change to anyone's life, not any lasting change. Because all the people that I knew that were involved in these religions were doing the same thing I was doing. Some even worse. And what I was doing wasn't very nice. Let me just tell you that. 
And so I thought, well, then that can't be the way. And then one night in Asheville, North Carolina, while I was so far away from God, wasn't looking for God or anything else, I was at a bar of all places, and I walked out of the bar, and some Christian kids from the local college campus came up to me and started telling me about Jesus. And I started telling them where they could go and what they could do with their Jesus. I wasn't interested. But what they had to say cut me like a knife because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides and cuts asunder that which soul and that which is spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And the more they preached to me, the more I softened. I'd like to say I gave my life to Jesus that night, but I didn't. But you know what? There was a breaking of this hard heart. There was a, there was a crack in the soil where the seed of God was planted. And, and from that moment on, everywhere I went, all I could think about was what they said. Because the gospel of Christ is powerful. And they weren't ashamed of the gospel. And they told me about Jesus. And one day, when I get to heaven... I'm going to have the opportunity because I know we're going to have a lot of time. And, if, you know, if, I, if I'm any kind of detective at all, I'll be able to hunt them down and thank them for coming and telling me about Jesus. And there was another old woman. There was an old lady that used to walk the streets of Salisbury. And everybody thought she was nuts. She was nuts about Jesus. But it seemed like God positioned her around every corner. I could not walk down the streets of Salisbury. And back then, there was no mall. If you got anything, you had to go to Salisbury. You had to go downtown. So I'd be walking down the street, and all of a sudden, she would just appear out of nowhere. Whoop, there she is. <laughs> Let me tell you about Jesus. And she would start talking about the Lord, and, and she, would, she would always give me a track, a gospel track. And she would tell me about Jesus. And everybody around knew she was nuts. I mean, everybody told me that. That one was nuts. And she was nuts about Jesus. But she was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for she realized it's the power of God and the salvation. So every time I walked down the street, it seemed like every time. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't every time, but you know what I'm saying. Most of the time, when I walked down the street, there she was. But God positioned people in my life to tell me about Jesus. And then a funny thing happened. My brother gets, he gives his life to the Lord. You know, God's getting closer all the time. My mother's praying. God's getting closer. And, and my brother does a horrible thing to a sinner like me. One of my best friends, my very best friend, he and I played music together and stuff. I remember one day we were going to go play music and we were going to stop by the music store. He was going to pick up some strings for his bass. What a setup. We stop at the music store. He goes inside to get some strings for his bass. And who should he run into? You're right, my brother and my mother. And they invited him to come to their house for oyster stew. Which, you know, I love oyster stew, but I knew what was up. And I wouldn't go, but he did. And the very next day, guess who's calling me? Yeah, my friend. 
telling me about Jesus. <laughs> you know, the gospel of Christ changes people. He became such a radical for Jesus. He would not leave me alone. That guy would call me constantly. It's like every time the phone rang, I wanted to run out the back door. I wanted to go hide somewhere because I knew who it was. It was my friend. He wanted to tell me about Jesus. And he got so convinced that I needed Jesus that he decided that he would go on a fast. Drink no water, eat no food until I gave my life to Jesus. It took three days. I think the Lord knew he was running out of steam. It's either that boy's going to die or Don Vest is going to get saved. <laughs> so the third day into his fast, no food, no water, dedicated to praying for me, trusting in the power of God. Three o'clock in the morning. Come on, y'all. Three o'clock in the morning, God begins to deal with me. Now, to think that God could deal with me if I was off by myself somewhere, if I was just not having any fun, if I was just, you know, alone and desolate and broke and all that stuff, didn't have nothing. You would think God could reach me then, but no. You know, I got the cute little blonde on my arm. Sorry, Becky. <laughs> and I'm sitting around with friends, you know, there are friends that we have and we're talking and we're smoking and we're doing all the things that heathen do and one of the guys in our little circle there made a statement he says when I was in prison I sold my soul to the devil for a, for a hit of masculine and I said you're a fool I mean I, I said it out of my mouth I said you're a fool I would never do anything like that and when I said that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said you're a fool Because I was doing the very same thing, except I never said I was doing it. I was just doing it. And man, the power of God hit me kind of like Saul. God began to deal with me. And all of a sudden, all the things that were so attractive to me were not attractive anymore. And God began to deal with my heart, and, and I began to see Jesus. Literally having a vision of Jesus hanging on the cross and realizing that it wasn't him hanging on the cross. It was me hanging on the cross, but he was hanging in my place. He died for me. All of a sudden, it just hit me. Jesus died for me. That's the power of the gospel. And it changed me. I got up, and I said, guys, I'm leaving. They said, where are you going? I said, I don't know, but I'm leaving. They thought I'd freaked out, you know, was having a bad acid trip or something. <laughs> but I went, and I got in my car, and I made my way to my mom and dad's house because that's where every time I walked into my mother's house in the middle of the morning, she would be praying, and no things, things weren't any different that night. But I went in. Long story short, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Jesus changed me. The gospel changed me. That moment. I want to tell you something, folks. You know, in our society today that we are told, we are programmed to believe that there are certain things in our DNA that define us, that make us who we are. 
that if you were born with a certain gene, that you are destined to be homosexual. You cannot change it. You can't be anything but. Or if there's a strong alcohol attraction in your DNA that you will more than likely, if you even look at a beer or alcohol, you're going to be addicted for life. So whenever someone is struggling with alcohol, and we go through the 12-step program and the Alcoholics Anonymous and other programs that we have developed through the, you know, and, and, and what, is, what is the thing that they constantly are saying? Come on, y'all. I am an, I am an alcoholic. I am a drug addict. Well, I never went through any of those programs, never had to because, because I discovered something else in the power of the word of God that says that therefore if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, that was life-changing. So, I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict. I was a lot of things that I don't even want to talk about, but I'm not anymore. Because Jesus changed my life. The power of the gospel changed me. That's what he does. Wherever the gospel is preached, change takes place. Wherever the gospel is preached, hospitals are built. Lives are made better wherever the gospel is believed and preached and believed. And, you know, I went to a place last year. I did not realize it when I went there. It's a good thing I didn't realize it. I might not have went there, but I didn't realize it when I went there. I would have went because I knew God was calling me there. But I went to a place called Tapatula in a little state called Chiapas down in southern Mexico. And only learned when we had Elaine Wilburn here a few weeks ago that that place, less than a decade ago, there were no Christians in that whole entire area because there was such a hostility toward the gospel, toward the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the degree that they were actually going into people's homes and killing them if they became believers clubbing them to death and macheting them to death because they were believers for no other reason than they had accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And now churches are being planted. I'm so excited because I get to be a part of it. I get to go down and, and help them build churches and, and train pastors and teach pastors and, and, and give them the gospel So because the gospel of Christ is the power unto salvation. And it's changing lives. I saw miracles take place. I mean, it was just amazing. I think there's an atmosphere of of, of hunger and desire to see God move to the degree that miracles are taking place. I, I literally saw a man that was brought into the church on a Saturday night and, and he was in a chair, and he was laid back like this. His mouth was hanging open. His eyes were glazed over, and, and he had a towel under his head, and he was, he was salivating out the side of his mouth. He had no control over anything. And they set him right down in front of the pulpit where I was preaching. And I wanted to go down so bad, lay my hands on him and pray over him. But the Holy Spirit says, no. Not for you to do, 
So I just preached. And what I did was, what God told me to do is lay hands on the leaders, the pastors and leaders, and impart something to them and then have them to go and lay hands on him, which they did. So, you know, you, you go in there, and, and, and the great man of faith that I am, I totally expected something to happen, and I was expecting what happened the next day. I'm lying to you. We prayed. They carried the guy out. No change. Next night, the very next night, we're having service in this church, and, and, and it was probably about 400 people were inside, and then on the outside, there was about another 150 people because they heard about preach. Y'all know who preach is, don't you? Nathaniel. Nathaniel had come, and he had done some Christian rap the night before, and they thought he was a famous Christian rapper. So they came from everywhere, and they're just gathered outside. They're hanging in the windows and everything else, and there were probably about 150 people outside the doors looking in, and the place was just jammed. And, and this worship team, you know, they were so excited because there's so many people. They just worshiped and worshiped. I mean, they went five times as long as you did. <laughs> I mean, that, the worship service lasted for a couple hours. And I noticed this guy up there, and he's just dancing all over the place, and he just, ah. Just having himself a time. And then about, about two-thirds through the worship service, they stopped. And this guy comes up to the microphone, and he starts speaking in Spanish, and he's talking, and he's so excited. And y'all remember Enmer that came here and preached a few weeks back? I, I, I poked Enmer and said, what is he saying? Enmer said, the man, last night, the man in the front, the, the man, you know, in the seat, the he he had cancer, and he had brain tumor. Not long, not long to live. God healed him. <laughs> and this guy is the same guy that couldn't do nothing the night before, and God healed him. The power of God changes things. The power of God changes things things. It changes lives. I'm here to tell you, folks, you don't have to be bound by the devil. You have the authority. You have power to overcome. God has given you the ability to be free. He wants you to be free. He has not given us his power so that we can hide it. He's given us his power so that we can abide in it and live in it. Wow. So much can be said about this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We're power conductors. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and that he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, what is the word of reconciliation? It's the gospel. It's the gospel. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though, I want you to listen to this, as though God were entreating through us, this is what God is saying through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what God's trying to say through us. He made him who knew no sin 
on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. On all, he becomes sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, there, there's a battle that must be won in overcoming the sinful nature. It can't be waged in the flesh and won. The only way that we can overcome is through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.1, Paul says he, to the Corinthians, he says, and, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Now, the, the, the apostle Paul had that wisdom. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees of the law. He knew the law backwards and forwards and inside out and everything else. So if anyone had that superior wisdom, if anyone had that intellect, he, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel for 14 years and studied the law. He knew. He, was a, he had a Ph.D. in the law. But he didn't said, I didn't come with that. And he said, I didn't come with superiority of speech either or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power. Wow. Why? that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Listen, we talk a lot about what you believe and what you believe and what your doctrine is and what your doctrine is. There's no doctrine that really matters except the doctrine of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what really matters, the teaching, the doctrine. If you're going to indoctrinate yourself with something, indoctrinate yourself with the power of the Spirit of God through His Word. Get yourself so full of the Word, man, that when a mosquito bites you, he buzzes off singing, there's power in the blood. <laughs> Get a hold of it. Get it in you. See, it isn't a matter what we can do for anyone. What really matters is what God can do through us. What can he do through you? He can do anything. Paul says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right after he says to work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling. He understood that our power and our relationship with God depends upon our honoring him and staying in relationship with him and staying before him in prayer and understanding that it takes that constant connection to the life stream, to the lifeblood of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to do anything for him, we've got to allow him to do it through us. It's obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. You know, we don't like that word too much because that means that in order to obey, we have to realize that there's a superior. And none of us like to think that there's anyone superior than we are. You know, I got news for you. There is a God. You're not him. So get over it. Or her, whatever you think. Paul talked to Timothy. And he gave him a stern warning about what's going on right now. The apostle Paul saw in the spirit... 
what would happen in the future. Because he knew prophetically from what was written in the book of Daniel, the books of Zephaniah and Zechariah, what was written, written in Ezekiel and Isaiah, he knew what the last days looked like and what they were going to look like. And so he says to Timothy, Timothy, his son in the Lord, one he had won to the Lord at Lystra and had poured his life into, he said to him, he said, he said in, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. How many would say that we're probably there about now? Perilous times, difficult times, dangerous times. It means all of those things. And he says, for men will be lovers of self, check, lovers of money, double check, boastful, arrogant, revilers, yep, disobedient to parents, yep, ungrateful, I saw on Facebook, somebody said it's so cold outside, I saw a young person with his pants hiked all the way up, (laughs) ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power and avoid such men as these. That word power there is the same word that is found in Acts 1.8, dunamis. What does it say in Acts 1 8? After, and you shall be witnesses unto me after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. After. What is, he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Listen, let's back up the truck there because that's important. As a matter of fact, let's see, I've got it here in the. In the, in the King James Version. Did I put that up there for you? Um, Acts 1.8 in the King James. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Jesus said you shall be witnesses after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no power. And we have watered down the gospel to the degree that we feel like, well, you know, I made a commitment to Jesus now. You know, I've said the sinner's prayer. I'm good to go. I've written my ticket. I'm on my way to heaven with the rest of you. So it doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter if you go change the world or not. I'm going to go back and do what I want to do. I'm still going to heaven just like you are. Sorry. Because Jesus said, if you don't acknowledge him as Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. He says, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things I tell you to do? He can't be Lord if he's not Lord. Lord means kurios. It means master of everything that I was, everything that I am, and everything that I ever will be. That's what Lord is. So he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. 
Because if you hold anything back from him, you are not being submissive and obedient to him. How do we declare the glory of God and how do we preach this gospel without power? We can't. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. Anybody cast out any devils lately? Most of the time we run from them or we watch them on TV and we get scared. You know, the exorcist, ooh, they turn their head around. I want to tell you something. Demons are a lot more deceptive than that. Demons will control your life and that's what they want to do. They want to wreck you. They want to ruin you. They want to take your soul to hell. They want to take your very life that's inside of you. They want to make you miserable. They want to make you think you can't. They want to make you think that Jesus is not Lord. They want to make you think that life is hopeless. And that's what they do. And a lot of people have more satanic power in their life that is controlling them than they do the power of God through his spirit. And a lot of those folks sit in church, miserable, tied up in knots on the inside because they haven't acknowledged the power of God and allowed the power of God to change them and connected to the only source that can change their life and submitted themselves and realized in order for this to work, I have to repent, I have to forsake my old ways, and I have to turn my life over to Jesus, and I have to understand that if I'm going to follow him, that I can't take nothing with me, and I can't turn back. Because the Bible says in Luke 9, 62, that he that having set his hands to the plow and looking back is no longer fit for the kingdom of God. He said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow me. That's what you got to do. That's not a very popular gospel these days. We understand that all you got to do is, just as I am, come, and then leave the same way you came. The only thing is, you made a promise that you didn't intend to keep. And a lot of folks have done that. And a lot of pastors have told them, you're okay. You've done that now. you got your name on the church roll. You're good to go. You're going to heaven. And we go back out unchanged. Life's still just as miserable, still just as bound as ever before because we have not acknowledged the power of God. There will be many who have a form of godliness. Come and worship with you. Lift up hands. Magnify the Lord and yet not understand that God wants to change you from the inside out. That is the power of God working inside of you that really matters. Now, I'm not talking about you going out laying on hands and doing all of these other things because that will come when the power of God is manifested inside of you. I'm talking about you just getting it right with God. Establishing a relationship with him. Fully committed. Holy before him. Understanding that we have to be holy just as he is holy. For holiness without no man shall see God. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be consecrated for something. Pulled out from something and set apart for something. And God has pulled us out of the power of darkness. Into his marvelous light. 
For you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. God wants you to come out of darkness. Come out. Come out from among them and be separate. Not continue to walk in darkness, but to come out of it. Come into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the power that changes us. Paul was saying we can talk all we want and nothing will happen. It's only when we allow God to use us to display his power that people can see God at work. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. See, talk is cheap. We can talk about how great God was back then. We can talk about how God moved in, in, in our services when we were kids. We can talk about this. We can talk about that. But really, what really matters is what God is doing right now. What God is doing inside of you right now. What are you allowing him to do? What are you wanting him to do? Are you letting him move in power inside of you? Are you asking him to fill you on a daily basis? If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you are lacking in spiritual power. If that rattles your, your cage, that rattles your cage, that's a good thing. Because you need to understand, you need the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Because if it's not, then you are powerless. The impartation of the Holy Spirit is given when we ask God for it. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Have you asked Jesus to baptize you in, in his spirit? Have you? That's the word right here. Praise God. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is also given through the laying on of hands. In Acts 8, Philip preached in Samaria, and a lot of people got saved. I mean, he was a powerful evangelist. He went from being a deacon in the local church to being an evangelist. And, 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 and it says that, that demons came out of people with shrieks, and the people were being healed, but, and people were being saved. But you know what happened? They didn't receive the Holy Spirit until the apostles in Jerusalem went up to them and laid hands on them. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. You want me to read it to you? Here it is, Acts 8, 12. But when they had believed Philip, pre Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. In verse 14, now when the apostles in Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet been had fallen upon them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, some people receive just by hearing the word. Acts 10, we, we see at the house of Cornelius, when, when Peter had gone to the house of Cornelius, and, he, and it says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those, those who were listening to the message, and all the uncircumcised, uh, the all these circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them? Well, it says, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Wow, that's in the Bible. 
I didn't make that up. It's right here. It's right in God's word there. Now, the believers at Ephesus in Acts 19 also received the Holy Spirit after they they had heard Paul preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, um, uh, Apollos and, and Priscilla or Prissa had gone through and they had preached the gospel of Jesus there. They had told them about Christ, but they had not shared with them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had not shared about the power that God had given to us to, to be all that God wants us to be. And so, uh, Peter, uh, Paul and, and Silas had gone there, and, and, and it says that when they came up, they asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You know what they said? The same thing a lot of other people said. Oh, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. We've never even heard that there is such a holy a thing as the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, well, then what were you baptized in? They said, well, baptism of John, which is the baptism of repentance. And Paul preached to them about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And as they were being baptized, they laid hands on them. And they began to, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and prophesy and magnify God. Pretty cool thing, huh? And things changed in Ephesus. A church was built. Things changed in the book of Acts when people got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because the fame of them went out. Because they were doing things under the power of the Holy Spirit. There's some things getting ready to happen at Destiny City. Some things getting ready. There's a wave of of revival that's getting ready to come through this place. But God is wanting to prepare a people to minister to those who are going to be coming through and coming out of the world into the church, searching, looking. We've got the answer, folks, but we need the power. There are going to be people coming, folks, that are, that are absolutely demon-possessed. There are going to be people coming that are so sick that the doctors can't help them. And we're going to see healing take place. Because we have hope, we have power in the Holy Spirit. But we've got to be ready. What, is that, what do we need to do to be ready? Be filled. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit constantly. Paul says to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 12, I thank my God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night, Timothy. Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I might be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I am sure that is in you as well. For this reason I remind you and I remind you as Paul reminded Timothy to rekindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit spirit of timidity. Listen. Listen. This is no time for us to be fearful and cowardice. That's what it means. Delia, timidity, cowardice, reticence, and fearfulness. But he's given us the power of love and discipline. That word power, there's that word again, dunamis. He's given us the power. How's he given us the power? Through the laying on of hands the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what he has given us, folks. That is our tool. That is our, that's our nuclear weapon to defeat the enemy with. Without it, we're powerless. 
Without it, we're powerless. We can preach till we're blue in the face, and, and we don't have anything better than anybody else. But with the power of God, we've got something that is tangible, something that will change lives, something that will break the yoke off the necks of the unbelievers, something that will set people free. And that's what people need, folks. We need to be changed by the power of God. Now the question is, do you have the power of God in your life? Have you sought him? Have you went hard after God? I want to share one more story with you because I was blessed enough three days after I'd given my heart to Jesus. A young Catholic boy who had come out of the Catholic church and given his life to Jesus, he understood the gospel, he gave his life to Christ, and got filled with the Holy Spirit. I love Catholics because they believe in the supernatural. I mean, when you, when you tell them about the Holy Spirit, about the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, they're not like most of us, you know. Some of us have been raised up in, in, in denominations and stuff. When we start talking about the supernatural, they look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. I don't believe that. That went out with the apostles. I'm sorry to tell you the apostles are still here. And so is the Holy Spirit. I don't know what Bible you've been reading, but my Bible says that we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. How does it happen when we ask? We ask God to fill us. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that Ask him. It says that the Father will give the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, to those who ask him. Have you asked to be filled with the Spirit? Well, when this guy told me about the Holy Spirit, I thought I had to do something. I thought I had to be holy first, sanctified. I thought I had to work in the church for a while, you know, to, be, to qualify for this gift. You know, I thought I had to be like one of the deacons or something because they're the only ones I ever knew of that spoke in tongues and really operated in the gifts of the Spirit. No. He said, the Holy Spirit is for every believer. He said, do you believe? I said, yeah. He said, you want to receive the Holy Spirit? Yeah. I said, how do I do it? He said, ask. And so I got down on my knees and I started doing like I had been taught in church, you know, like I used to see in, in the church I grew up, you know, one of the hyper-Pentecostal churches, and you get one person on one side, they're saying, hang on. You get somebody on the other side, they're saying, turn loose. <laughs> then you got somebody behind your head going, say, no, 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 no. And you're going, ah, ah. And you'll do anything. I mean, you'll speak in tongues. You do anything. Just get me out of here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but a good thing happened. Because they prayed with me for a while. And I was trying so hard. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. I did everything they told me to do. I was naming every rock band I knew. Sha-na-na. Hey, la-la. Nothing's happening. 
But then out of desperation, I said, God, I'm so desperate. I need you so bad. If you don't feel me right now, I think I'm going to, and I wanted to say die, but die didn't come out. Something else did. And I started to try to say it again, and something else came out. And it was like a spring of living water just began to bubble out of me. And I began to speak with a new language. I don't know that I could have spoken English if I wanted to. But God just gloriously baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And he gave me a new power and authority that I didn't have before. How do I know this? Because the very next day, I just felt led. You know, like when Jesus, in the book of Luke, where he was led into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil? That's where you know when you got the goods and not when you're tempted and you stand. You know that God's done a work in your life. And so I went to some of my friends. I knew where they hung out, so I went to one of their houses. And I walk in, and all the things that I used to love were there. I mean, the house was so full of hashish smoke, it about knocked you out. And I got them running up to me trying to give me shotguns and stuff. And I'm like, no, man. You know, my flesh is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. My spirit is saying, no. But I'm yielding to the spirit, right? And I go in and I sit down. And I shared the gospel with them as plainly as I knew how. And about to, as plain as I knew how was then, if you don't give your life to Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Hey, it worked on some of them. But that's the only thing I knew. But I want to tell you that Jesus can save you if you will give your heart and life to it. And I wish I could have said they all fell on their faces and got saved. But they didn't. It's like they turned up the heat. But I knew that God had brought me there for a reason. And I left that day in victory because I didn't cave in. That's the first time I'd actually stood against the temptations and the things of the enemy because God did a work. Listen, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop now. Okay, I'm done preaching. Right now is the time for you to respond. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, God wants you to be baptized in his spirit more than you want to be baptized. That's why Jesus came and he gave us gifts. And he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's expedient for me. It's necessary for me to go to the Father because if I don't go, then I can't send the Holy Spirit. But he did and he did. He went to the Father and he sent his Holy Spirit who said he will be with you and he shall be in you. And he'll guide you into all truth. If you're having trouble understanding the Bible, if you're having trouble understanding spiritual things, that's why because the God of this world has blinded you. But the Holy Spirit takes the light and he shines it into our hearts and minds and we understand all of a sudden. He gives us understanding and he comforts us. He comes alongside and he counsels us when we need it the most. I need the power of God in my life. You know, I need it as much as Paul says we become a spectacle to all men. Talking about him and the other apostles. What he meant was that God has put us out on display so other people can see us. 
He's put us on display. Do you realize that your life is on display and other people are looking at you? Whether you like it or not. What are you showing? What are you showing? The power of the Holy Spirit? Are you showing that? That's what God wants. So now the question is, do you want to be filled? I'm going to ask our elders to come. Stand with me, my wife. For those of you who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and you want to pray with someone, I mean, I don't want any foolishness or anything else. I just want you to lead people in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So right now, if you need to be filled, he wants to fill you. You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.